As I said, we are continuing the series that we started last week, and, and as we're in a new year, we're, we're moving in, and uh, you know, everyone's motivated to go in a new direction in their life or to continue in the positive direction you were in uh, before. And so we're looking uh, at, at how do we do life on purpose. And, and again, Scripture talks about these different areas of our life and how we can honor God with, with every area of our life, and, and, and yet we have specific have instructions from God, right, on how to best do that and to use uh, everything that we have for his glory. Because truly, when you receive Christ your Savior, you join the journey of faith, and you start your life in a different direction, right, of following, of going towards Christ and, and growing toward more to be like him, to be more holy, like God is holy. Again, he starts to penetrate all those different areas of our life. And the basis passage for this series is Romans chapter 12. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me. Uh, to Romans 12. If you're with us in person, don't have your own Bible, there are Bibles provided for you in the seat you're welcome to use. Uh, if you're with us online, if you have your Bible close to you, you can uh, look it up as well, or you can just listen as I read it. But we're going to uh, look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 and 21. And it starts, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable, and this is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And then he goes into all these different areas of our life. In fact, all these four areas he covers, our time, our money, our talents, abilities, and relationships throughout the chapter. And in the summary verse at the very end, verse 21, he says, Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And as we look at that, again, this overall concept, we, we, we realize what Paul's presenting in this chapter is, again, he doesn't present the way of salvation. This is not an a, a, a evangelistic message at all. In fact, the assumption for those that are learning from this chapter is that you've already received Christ as your Savior, or that you are a committed follower of Jesus. And so now, what will my life look like that I'm in the journey? Right? And what am I going to do in my life? How is my heart going to be truly transformed? How is my mind going to be transformed? to be more like Christ tomorrow than I am today. And, and as we see, again, like I said, he covers all these different areas throughout this chapter. Um, and so last, last week we looked at our time, and today we uh, are going to focus on our money. Now before we jump into this today, there's just a couple kind of caveats, I guess, I, I want to, uh, to throw out there before we dive into today's topic. Uh, because whenever money comes up in church it always feels a little bit awkward, right? And so to say that, I'll just say, I mean, we're just going to acknowledge the awkwardness today, right? And I remember I just early on in ministry, I had a mentor that told me that it was just really wise advice to say, anytime that money's involved, people get weird. And that's absolutely true, okay? So to say that, today we're talking about money, so I say it, it might be a little bit weird, okay? So, but I'm, I'm unapologetic for that. They, also, I'm going to apologize that because uh, as your pastor, my job is to teach you scripture. Okay? And, and scripture talks about money a lot. Now, you might notice that even your handout, the type on your handout is really tiny today. Okay? And even some of those passages are literally just the references because I didn't even have enough room to print all of them and, because there is so much scripture about money okay? and about concepts and they're all so good. And, and so, with that said, is that um, today, again, my goal in this is to show you what the Bible says about money. It's not about Brian's opinion. 
and, and, and the, the other side of that, right, is that we are going to cover a lot today. So, so um, you know, be ready because I've, I've got to stay focused and go. Otherwise, the kids' department gets mad at me, okay? So we, we, got, we got to go, okay? We're going to get through it today. Um, and, and so as we do that, um, to say I also want to, want to say, I want to be very clear, okay, that this message, even though it's titled about money, we're going to talk about finance and money and how we do that, it's not actually about money. In fact, every time the Bible talks about money, it's not actually about your money. It's about your heart. And it's about what drives your life, and it's about the real purpose of that. So this is about your attitude. It is about your faith. It is about what you are really living for. And to say that is you can be saved, you can be a committed follower of Jesus, and never give a cent to anybody. And it does not change whether you're saved or not. And it does not change how much God loves you. And it does not change the plan that God has for your life. And so this message, again, is not about money. Okay? But it is about being obedient to God. And it is about realizing that our lifestyle and our obedience in every area of our life will have a huge effect on your faith and on your spiritual growth. And that is completely true about your money as well. So as we get all of this, you know, up front for us to say, that's why I want to start with, with a verse that seemingly has nothing to do with our finances, and it's out of James 2.17, where it says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough, unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. And so on the surface, it doesn't seem like it has anything to do with money, but I will say it does actually have a lot to do with money. It, because, again, the, this verse will ask us, presents us with this challenge of saying, Will you actually change your life based on what you learn from Jesus? And if you do, right, then it'll change everything. If you don't, then your faith is going to be useless. And so when we look at that, again, this includes money. Not just money, though, right? It's just everything. And with that said is that tithing and giving and offerings and a lifestyle of generosity, all of these things will lead to a growing faith. God is a very generous God. He gave us way more than we deserve. In fact, everything he gives us other than death is above what we have earned from God. And he's incredibly generous. Which means when the more generous you are and the more generous lifestyle you live, the more you are like God. Which is the goal of our faith. And and as as we realize that, we... Um, I, I want to say that the, the core of the gospel message is about your relationship with God. Uh, and Christianity is not about a religion. It is about a relationship with God right? and an ongoing, growing relationship with him. And, and, and with that said, it is when we talk about money and tithing and offerings and, and everything we're going to look at today is that this, this is the religion side of our faith. Right? Is this, it is kind of a list of, okay, how am I going to work through this, right? And but again, money is not the focus. Our relationship with God and our faith is the focus. Right? The goal of managing our money God's way is a lifestyle of generosity. Okay? And it's not about the math. Okay? It's not about the numbers. It's not about the bottom line, right? the way that it usually is when we talk about money. Um, the goal right, of managing money God's way is, is about a lifestyle of generosity to be more like God because we serve an incredibly generous God. All right, are we ready to dive in? Enough warnings and caveats. Okay, now we're, we're going to dive into 
to, uh, to some keys, four keys that, that we learn from Scripture to managing money God's way and managing our money on purpose. Key number one is that we are just managers. Okay, key number one, we are just managers. It, it, meaning that, that my money is not really my money. Right? I mean, it, like my name's on the account, and it goes, right? But, like, but, but I don't really own it. Okay? God owns it. Okay? In fact, everything in creation is God's, including your money. Okay? Now, we see that with, this is a concept that's all throughout Scripture. I mean, it starts at Genesis 1, runs all the way to Revelation 21. I mean, we, we see this is all over. So here's, again, the biblical foundation of that truth, right? That we are just married, that everything belongs to God. Uh, first, Psalms 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Again, I wish um, I understood exactly what they meant. They, the earth is the Lord, everything in it, right? Everything in it is God's. He's the creator. He, he is the alpha and omega. Okay, next, Job 41.11. It says, who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. Again, this is God speaking to Job, right? This is the, at the end of the story where God shows up. Okay, and God says, everything under heaven belongs to me. And I'll just pause here on this verse to say, as you might realize, again, even if you're looking these up in the NLT version, that this, this is the NIV version. Okay, to say that I've used a few different translations today on your outline um, just because of, of, I like the wording better in certain translations, and it kind of describes you know, for the point, but uh, so again, if you're looking at them at NLT, just I've noted what translation I've used, and I'm showing you with each one. Okay, so we see again, who has a claim against God, right, that he can't pay? I mean, he, he, he is God. He owns everything. Okay, Psalms 50, verses 7 through 12. Oh, my people, listen as I speak. Here are my charges against you, Israel. I am God, your God. I have no complaint about your sacrifice or the burnt offerings that you constantly offer, but I do not need the bulls of your barns or the goats from your pens. For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains, and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. Again, I wish God was a little more clear on what he owns. But it's all God's. It's God's money, and it's not just the money that's in your bank account. Literally all of it, every cent on the face of this planet is God's. And again, anything we have, not just our money, right? Whether it's our money or our stuff, God is letting us use his stuff. Again, the reality is I don't own anything. I am managing God's stuff. And now God has allowed different stuff into my life, right, that he has, has given me the responsibility to manage for him, but it is all God's, and that is the key, right, is not understanding that, that none of it's mine. Everything is God's, not just my money, all my stuff, everything. Now, God has given us instructions on how we should manage his stuff. Right? And so are we going to follow that, right? The, the a churchy word for, for those instructions is stewardship, right? Am I, am I going to be a good steward? Right, of what God has put in my life. Now, one of those instructions, the most the foundation of the instructions that God gives, is, is to give tithes and offerings. And so I want to just go into that really quickly about what 
what is a tithe and what is an offering because they are two very different things in Scripture. Okay? And, and so uh, the reality is, right, for it to be a tithe, and again, tithing is the foundation of, of all biblical stewardship. Okay? And for it to be a tithe, there are four biblical requirements to a tithe. Okay? But the requirement number one for a tithe is that it, it, it's the amount. It is 10%. Okay? That is the literal translation of the word tithe is 10%. This concept started in the Old Testament. It was first given from God uh, towards them about their livestock and their crops of whatever was their livelihood, right? It was their increase, whatever God brought into their life. Okay, now, again, in, in, in biblical times, that was, it, it was livestock, right? Or it was a harvest of their crops or whatever it is that they found their livelihood from. For us today in our culture, our livelihood is our money. Hey, when, when we realize we are just managing uh, God's stuff, then our perspective about the increase in our life changes. Again, God is not asking us to give up 10% of my money. God is letting us keep 90% of his money, right, which is a very generous God. So requirement number one is that it is 10%. Again, if it's 8%, it's not a tithe. Right? If it's 12%, it is not a tithe. Right? It is, that would be a tithe plus 2% offering okay, if it's 12%. Hey, 10% for biblical requirement number one. Biblical requirement number two, the tithe is supposed to go directly to God where you are being spiritually fed. Now, for us today, that means most likely that you are being spiritually fed, I hope, in your local church. Right? If your church isn't feeding you, right, then I would love to have a different conversation with you. It's not about money at all. So it goes, again, directly to God, where you're being spiritually fed, and um, fed and supported. Requirement number three is that it is given with no strings attached, and that is that it is God's money, right? So he decides how it is used and what it is used for. Uh, in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, we see it says, the Lord, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with New wine. Okay, so, so we see again that it's 10%. It goes uh, directly to God where you're being spiritually fed. We see that, again, it is given to God, right? So that God will use it however he wants. And then we see in this, it, this describes that it is your first fruits, right? And that is biblical requirement number four for a tithe, is that it comes out off the top, right? First. Okay, and the reason for that is so that it is an act of faith. Again, if, if, I, if I just give what's left over, right, if I spend the 90% first and then give God the 10% if it's left over, then it is not an act of faith. Right? And so biblical requirement number four is it is an act of faith. Again, it just, I encourage you to underline or circle that, that phrase with the first fruits. That is an important part of the equation. It should be the first line in your budget. You should the first money that comes out of your check if you need to get paid. Um, Again, because so that it is an act of faith. So we're trusting God to, to be able to, to work through and, uh, and provide everything I need with the rest of the 90%. Okay, so we see the four biblical requirements for a tithe. Um, anything you give that doesn't meet all four requirements for a tithe um, is biblically an offering. So uh, again, anything out of the 90% that you manage that you give uh, and an offering is when you decide how it will be used. 
right, like sponsoring a child or donating to a fundraiser or a special project, supporting a parachurch organization or a radio station, um, any giving that, that is designed for or designated for a specific purpose, right, then is an offering, right? Because, again, I'm managing how it's being used, even if it's still for God's glory. In fact, I hope that all of my money is being used for God's glory, right? Um, no matter whether I use it or whether I give it away. And I look at uh, first, Second Chronicles 31, 10, and 12, and, and this is, again, where we see biblically where it makes the distinction between tithes and offerings. It says, since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have, have had enough to eat and have plenty left for the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is in great abundance. Now Hezekiah commanded them to prepare rooms in the house of the Lord, and so they prepared them, and they faithfully brought in their offerings, their tithes, and their dedicated things. And, and that, that last sentence there, again, there's three very specifically different Hebrew words that is used for an offering, for a tithe, and then for everything else that doesn't fit in those two categories is the dedicated things. Right, and so we see, again, that there is a, a biblical distinction between of what is a tithe and what is an offering and just then what is just anything dedicated to the Lord. And we see also from this passage that when God's people gave like God asked them to, there was a great abundance. And again, I encourage you to underline that last phrase of offerings, tithes, and dedicated things because they are Again, listed as separate things with very distinct, different Hebrew words for each one. Now, there, there was a time in Israel's history when they were skimping on their 10% tithe. Okay, they were not being obedient, fully obedient to that. And, and the, the prophet Malachi had, had given them a message from God, and, and the message from God was that they were stealing from him. And of course, their response was like, really, God? Like, how are we stealing from you? Okay, and then God um, told them, he said, you're stealing from me because you're not giving me your whole tithe. Right, you're skimping on it. Right, they, they were falling on that 10%. They were only giving a portion of it, right? Or, or they, they were not giving the first fruits or the best of what they had. They were giving, instead of sacrificing the best lamb, they would sacrifice the one that was already um, mangled or maimed or had a broken leg. Okay, and so, they, again, they, they were cutting corners, on what God had told them to do. And then um, it, it, one of the strongest rebukes in all of Scripture is found in Malachi chapter 3, right, in regards to this. Mal- Malachi 3, verse 10, it says, To bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Now test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Now, this is a very significant passage, and for, for a few reasons. Okay, one is this, I encourage you to underline the, the whole tithe. And God says, no, don't skip, don't cut corners, like, do it all the way. Okay, now, if you do that, God says, right, that if you do that, if you don't skimp, right, then, um, then there will be abundance. And then this is also the only place in Scripture that God directly tells us to test him. And God, God says, again, in fact, there's other scriptures that say all over the place, like, you shall not test the Lord. Right? Now, this is the only place in scripture, right, where God tells us to do that, right? He says, just give it a shot. He's like, just, just do it, right? Go all in, right? And, and if, if, it, if it's not blessed, if this is not true, if I'm not with you, then you can always go back, right, to cutting corners and kind of half doing it. 
Okay, but he says, test me. Again, re- this, remember, this is not about money at all. It's about your attitude. It's about your heart. Right? And so we, we should not have the attitude of, well, God only needs 5% this month because I need a bigger TV because the Super Bowl is coming. Right? That is an attitude problem, right? That is a heart condition that needs to be addressed. It is supposed to be an act of faith. Is it really trusting God if we just give him whatever's left over? If that is our mentality, right, then there will never be anything left over. Because money just disappears if we don't manage it. And so as we see this, again, God is telling us, right, and we're starting with this, the foundational of all giving of a lifestyle of generosity is that we are just managers. It's all God's stuff. Key number two, which we've already talked about, but it's still a key. It's worth saying clearly again. It's not really about money. It's about your heart. Key number two, it's not really about money at all. It's about your heart. Again, you can be fully saved following Jesus and never give a cent. And it will not change your salvation. It won't change how much God loves you and what he's doing in your life. It, but, but it will affect your heart, and it will affect how you grow in your faith. Because if, if you're holding back your money, you're holding back more than just your money from God. Right, when you look at uh, this, this concept, right, not about money at all, but about your heart, Luke 16, verses 13 and 14, it says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And the Pharisees who dearly loved their money heard all of this and scoffed at him. Again, notice it, it really, as Jesus is talking about this, and he says, right, it's not really about the money at all. Right? It is about your heart. It is about your, your posture towards God and, and towards the world and, and, and towards my, myself. You know, Proverbs 4.23 tells us to guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, because it will determine the course of your life. Again, God does not need your money. God can do whatever he wants, with or without your money. But God desperately wants your heart. He desperately wants you to have a right perspective. He desperately wants an open, loving relationship with you. He desperately wants to save you if you've never been saved. He he wants to bless your life. Guard our hearts, because it will determine everything you do. It will determine the course of your life. That's why when you look back at that that Romans passage, right, it talks about being transformed, right, and changing the way you think, and, and that's all about changing your heart. Again, Matthew 6, 21, you know, the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, he says, wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will also be. And, and you know, the, the thing about money is that if the harder you hold it, the tighter and you hold on to it, right, the more that it rains your life. Right? And, and also, right, the less, again, that you, that you truly have control of it. Again, we, we can ask, you know, why the 10%? I mean, why, why did God bring up that number? Why, is, is it a random number? Again, I don't believe it's a random number. Okay, because remember, who created us? God did. He made our hearts, right? He made our minds. He made our emotions, all those things, right? And, and again, if God wants our hearts to be right, he also knows what it will take to keep our hearts right. 
And I don't believe the 10% number is not a random number at all. I, I think that, again, God in his ultimate wisdom chose it for a reason. And I'll just tell you, in my own experience, right, as, as, as running my own finances, and I'll tell you is that, again, more than that, we have biblically tithed our entire married life. And to say that is that uh, um, as we go through that, realizing through that experience is that the 10% number is big enough that we notice, right? It's big enough that it is an act of faith, right? That sometimes we wonder, can we do that or not, right? It's big enough that we notice, but I also say it's not so big that, that it ruins the rest of your financial picture. Again, if God asked us to get 50%, I couldn't cover all of our bills. Uh, and, but yet, uh, again, it's big enough you notice, right? But it's not so big that you, you can't, can't manage your life, right, financially. Uh, again, the 10% started in the Old Testament. It was an Old Testament commandment. Just like much of the Old Testament law, it is not binding to us within the new covenant of grace. Hey, but I do believe that there's wisdom behind that number. And it is the foundation, right, of biblical generosity. Luke chapter 11, verses 39 through 42 says, then the Lord said to them, you Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools, didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside, so clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor and you will be clean all over. What sorrow awaits you Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Again, Jesus reiterates to them, right, that, hey, you know, it's not really about your money because the Pharisees were doing the biblical tithe, right, to the, to the nth degree. And he's like, but guys, it's not doing what it's supposed to do, right? It's not molding your heart. Again, God cares way more about your heart than he cares about your money. Hey, and, and, and again, God created us. He knows how much it takes to keep our hearts right, and, and therefore it serves the foundation of a lifestyle of generosity. Key number three to, to managing our money God's way is realizing that God is our provider, not the world. God is our provider, not the world. And, and, and when you say the world, again, this is a very general term, and I used it on purpose, okay, because the world even includes me, right? Again, I am a part of the world, right? That's why I have to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Right? Even my own desires and my own emotions and, and my, again, my sinful human condition, right, tells me to hold on to my money, right, and to hoard it, but yet, um, or to spend it on myself. But, but again, the, the reality is God is our provider, not the world. Now, when you think about that, right, is, is I know that I'm in, included in that because I've done dumb stuff with money. And I'm sure you probably have too. In fact, most people have done some pretty dumb stuff with money. We've all messed it up in one way or another. And we think about that, and just again, we could probably all sit around and we could tell all kinds of stories about how we've messed up with money, right, at different times. We've made dumb decisions, we, you know, we've lost it, we've squandered it, whatever it would be. Yeah, I just tell you again, we, um, we've been doing a, a cash-based budget in our life, and that's how we manage our money. Again, I've taught Financial Peace University class, and that's kind of the foundation of that class is, is you do a budget and you use cash for as much as you can because, again, I won't go into that. But to say that is just to tell you one of my biggest failure stories with money is that we um, to do that. It was several years ago. In fact, it was in 2014. 
and we were going through this. And, and, I, and a kind of normal thing, we had our budget worked out. I went to the, to, to the, to the bank and, to, and you know, pulled out all of the money that we needed to fill all of our cash envelopes for our, our budget. And I, I went to the bank and did a bunch of different errands, got all through this, and then I get to the end of the day and I get home and I go to, to go fill our cash envelopes for our next two weeks to, to run our household, and I can't find it. And again, go through this. cars, vehicles, my clothes, pocket, everything, and realize really quickly that I had lost that envelope of cash somewhere throughout the day. And then I had to confess that to my wife, Right, and that we couldn't buy groceries, you know, tomorrow. Like, like, oh, right, that I, I can't find it. Like, and 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 with that said, is that that again was one of those moments where just it all came, uh, came to the front, right? Of like, man, how could I have messed this up so badly? It, it was on. It was from our December fifteenth paycheck. So not only is it a regular thing, but it was like really in the middle of the holiday, right? And, and I'll tell you, it was on, so December 15th was when I lost the money. Okay, this is what I wrote in my journal on the morning of December 16th. And I'll tell you, I did not sleep that night, and you can imagine why. And I said, I wrote in that time, I said, God, I am tempted to just lazily give up. I just wanted to stay in bed today. I'm feeling very defeated because I lost all the cash from this paycheck. I feel like the enemy is attacking around every corner, and yet... I'm going to trust in you. I know that you are God and you are my provider, and that $715 doesn't mean anything to you, and I trust you to sustain us. I pray now, Lord, that whoever found that money is using it for good, and I hope it was an answer to their prayers, and it is, it is providing a need and not being blown on, what, on a want or used for evil. I don't like being humbled, Lord, but I trust you and what you are doing in our lives. And you can tell, even just reading that journal entry from, like, six years ago, like, the emotions still come back. Like we, and that's the thing about money, right, is that we never forget when we mess it up. Right? And, and, and when we think about that and think about the time where you've messed it up, right, and to say the more that I prayed, and again, believe me, I prayed that entire night, right? The more that I prayed, the more that God just kept whispering in my mind and in my heart and in my ear, I am your provider, and I can handle this. You mess it up, but I'll handle it. And again, God, that's key number three, is knowing that he's our provider, not the world. Because we will mess it up, I guarantee you. And I've made a lot more mistakes since then. But in Matthew chapter 6, verses 32 and 33, it says, Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs, so seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. That is an incredibly powerful promise. Right? And it is one that is absolutely true. Now to say that, um, there, there is a big difference between needs and wants. Again, I can look back at our life, and I'll tell you, again, we biblically tithe our entire married life, and to say that we have never had a bill we could not pay. And there's been times where it's been close and times when we think that it's going to happen, right? And, and we're, okay, Lord, we don't know how it's going to come, but God always provides. Okay, now to say that, there are still things in my life I wish I had, right? There are wants, okay? Like, because I tell, like, I don't own that cabin, okay? There's a difference between needs and wants, right? But God will provide. 
And he did, right? And even in that moment, when I lost that cash, God provided. And we got through the month. In fact, we got through the month very easily. Okay, because literally Maureen showed up at work on Monday, and I had dropped the kids off there at the school, and, and I dropped it, and somebody picked it up and turned it in, and he was waiting for Maureen when she got to work on Monday. Right, and, and again, God, like, and God knew that, right? It was already solved. <laughs> right, but he, we waited through the weekend right, to get it back. Okay, God, God has your back. Okay, and, and, but there's a, a difference between needs and wants, and, but God is our provider. Okay, and, and as we look at, at these things, then we are key number four. Okay, and, and key number four is that if your heart is right, it opens the path to blessing. If your heart is right, then it opens the path to blessing. Okay, the, the First Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. It says, But people who long to be rich will fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Again, as we read this, again, there's so much in this passage too, and we think, but again, the I will say, though, this is one of the most misquoted and misused scriptures in the Bible, especially when it comes to money, right? And, and again, maybe you've heard, right, that, the, that money is the root of all evil, right? And, and, and again, that's, that phrase is out there, it's used, in fact, it, people quote it as from this verse, and, but that's, that's out of context, right? The money is not the root of all evil. In fact, money is amoral. It is not holy, it is not evil. It's not either one. Money is amoral. But again, notice that's what this verse That's not what it says. Money is not the root of all evil. But what it does say, what does it say? The love of money is the root of all evil. Again, that's not about money at all, is it? It's about your heart. Right? It is about your posture. It is about what is running your life. Again, don't shorten that phrase. Because if you do, it changes the meaning completely. But yet this phrase, exactly as it's quoted, right, makes it all about your heart and not about the dollar signs or the numbers or the math. Hey, notice in, in Luke chapter 6. Verse 38, it says, give and you will receive. Your gifts will, will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. That's a cool word picture, isn't it? The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now to say that, if, if your motivation for biblically tithing is, is to, to get this blessing, this promise from God, then your heart's not right, by the way. And as you think about that, we realize, right, that, that but yet the, the concept that Jesus is teaching us here is that you cannot outgive God. Right? When it comes to biblical generosity, the math will never work. The math doesn't work. Hey, because just, right, because the math says, well, if I give away, right, I'll have less. Right? But that's literally the opposite of what Jesus teaches us. Right? If, 
if you give away, you'll actually have more. You'll have so much, you'll spill into your lap. You might even be asking, Lord, what am I supposed to do with all this money? Okay, and, and, but again, if your heart's right, then he can trust you with it, right? And know that you will use his money for the right purpose. And so he can bless you. Again, God gives to you through the same hole you give out of. Because it shows where your heart really is. And a lifestyle of generosity will keep your heart and your perspective in the right place. On God, not on your money. And not on myself. So then you, once you do manage it that way and your heart is right, then, then God can trust you with more money. Right? Because your character is following after him. Again, Dave Ramsey is a big, uh, big voice in the world of finance. And he wrote a book about, called The Legacy Journey, talking about, again, millionaires and, 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 again, how you do that and how you live, manage money God's way. And one of the quotes out of that, that book from Dave Ramsey says that more money simply magnifies who you already are. Again, it just, I mean, open up YouTube or turn on the TV, right, or just open up Google and you can see all kinds of people who have a lot of money and no character. Right? And when you have no character and you throw a bunch of money into it, like, then it just, it just throws gasoline on the fire. Okay, the best example of this is look at some professional athletes okay, who get drafted and they, all of a sudden they have millions at their disposal and to say is a lot of professional athletes are actually financially destitute. And that's the reality, right? And not just athletes. I mean, it just, just, if you throw a whole bunch of money to somebody who can't handle it, right, is, is it just their situation, their life gets worse. Okay, but the same, the opposite is also true, right? If, if you have a solid character and, and, and God blesses it with more money, right, then, the, then it, it can be multiplied. Right? And it'll only push your character more like Christ, right? And, and again, it'll be used for good. In fact, um, this is, again, one of the kind of lies that kind of runs through the church, right, is that, is that wealth, um, you know, that God wants you to be poor. And I tell you, that, that, that's a lie. Okay, is that again, wealth is seen over and over again throughout the Bible as a reward from God. Okay, and, and, but it is a reward to those that are faithful and to those that are obedient. And again, ha- if you have wealth, you should not feel guilty about that wealth. As long as your character is right, right? And if you have wealth, then you do need to take it very, the responsibility very seriously that God has blessed your life with it and that you need to use it for his glory, right? And according to his will and his plan. I will tell you, some of the wealthiest people I know are the most generous giving people and the most godly people that I know. And that is not a coincidence. I'll say that again. The wealthiest people I know are also the most generous, giving, and godliest people that I know. Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. As the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, and now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And again, so many times we, when we read this parable and read even this verse, it's easy to, to focus on, we want to hear those words, right? Well, well done, good and faithful servant. And again, I'm with you. I want to hear those words too, right? But notice, if you do hear those words, what's the result? I will give you more, 
right? And we get to party with God, right? Let's celebrate, right? Let's, let's do that, right? And, and get parties cost money, right? Okay, but God can fund that. Okay, as we, as we see this, we look at these four keys, okay, to managing money God's way. We're managing our money on purpose. And through this series, we're looking at ways to do life on purpose. And handling uh, the way we handle our money is something that we have to do on purpose or our money will manage us. My hope is that God will look at each of us individually and look at us as a church, as Oregon Trail, and be able to say, well done. Let's celebrate. Let's keep going. Because we have a lot more to do. As we think about this and you just say that it is, again, I just want to pause and to say, right, is that how you manage your money has nothing to do with your saving faith in God. Again, your giving, whether you tithe or you don't tithe, it is not tied to your salvation. Right? Giving is a work. And so, again, if you are here today, and maybe you're thinking, wow, I never want to go to that church again because all they do is talk about money. I'll tell you, that, that, that's not true. Hey, but we do talk about money because the Bible talks about money. Hey, and, and, and again, my job as your pastor is to teach you what the Bible says. Hey, and so, but again, the Bible says very clearly that you are saved by believing in Jesus, praying and receiving him into your life, and being, receiving his grace and his forgiveness and his mercy, and, and that's how you are saved, and that's how you join the journey of faith. And if you've never done that before, then I, I hope that you will do that. Right, and accept Christ into your life. Because once you do, right, then he can start to transform your heart and transform your mind and transform your life right, to do it on purpose, including your money. Hey, but I will also challenge you, I'll say, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, and, and if you feel stalled in your faith, or if you feel like I'm just not growing enough, I, I, I will challenge you to look at your finances. There's a reason that God talks about it so much. And, and that it will hold you back. And, and so, again, look, look at it and just say, uh, again, I, I, don't, I won't know if you give. I don't know who gives and who doesn't. And, and that's, that's, that's the way we work here, and, and I don't want to know. It's, it's, not, it's not my business. It's between you and God. But I will say is that I, I encourage you to, to rise to the challenge of what God tells us to do. If we're going to do life on purpose, our time and our money, um, is that it will move you forward in your faith. So here's my final challenge for you today. As a Christ follower, you are a manager of God's resources. Are you handling them on purpose? You know, what is God challenging you to do? And, and whatever that next step in your faith is, I just challenge you to take that step today. And again, whether that, that, that next step is just receiving Christ as your Savior for the first time, which has nothing to do with money, Right? Maybe it's, it's not just, maybe it's not giving at all, right? Maybe it's, it's stepping up to be baptized. Maybe it's committing to a small group. Maybe it's coming to journey class. Right? Maybe it's just, you know, committing to prayer. To, I don't know what the next step of your faith is, but I encourage you to take it today. Lord God, we thank you that you are a God that tells us the truth. And God, the truth is you love us more than we can imagine. And Lord, we praise you for that today. And God, we thank you for being our provider. God, for continuing to, to lead us in our lives. In all of every area of our life, Lord, not just our money, but also our time and our relationships and our, our careers and our families, marriages. 
in our community, Lord. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that as we go today, that we would represent you well. Lord, that we continue to grow in our faith, Lord, as we move forward in our journey. And God, whether it's finances or being baptized, just a daily walk with you, or just receiving you as our Savior for the first time, God, that we would take whatever it is you're leading us to, to take that next step in our journey. God, help us to show this world who you are, God, to represent you well. Lord, and even just to help bring other people to a saving knowledge of you. Lord, help us as we go this week to live out our faith, to be your church, to represent you well. Lord, shine your light through us as we walk through life in the coming days. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for your promises to be with us, to provide for us, to lead us, and guide us. Be with us as we go today. In Jesus' name, amen.